I had a spa day yesterday. You didn't? With uh, my wife. I have never had a spa day. Not You'd one. love it. It's great. I had a, I had an Indian scalp massage. Well, how did the Indian scalp feel about that? <laughs> I know. Do you know how hard it is to find an Indian scalp on eBay? It's really hard. Welcome everybody to episode 56 of the Mid-Faith Crisis. Uh, my name is Nick Page still, as it yes. was in episode one really, it's a bit dull now. It and, is really, uh, my name is still Joe Davis. Yeah, we really need to get rebranded, I think is the buzzword. We should have better radio names, or podcast yeah, names. Yeah, yeah, we should. I'll work on that. <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, and uh, we're going to do the film club this week. <laughs> I know, it's very exciting. The long awaited, and I've got a feeling this will roll and roll. I've also got a feeling it's been so long awaited that the only way is anti-climax, really. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. The four people still listening. <laughs> Speaking of which, yes. great time uh, with uh, Alexander Shire. And thanks to those that came. Someone even made it down from Macclesfield. Can you believe that? Incredible. Thank you. Um, we gosh. have lovely, lovely listeners who are just brilliant. Mm. And so many kind comments, but which obviously I'm not permitted to share on a podcast but if i had a quid for everyone who said so come on how how many people do listen to the podcast mm. i would probably have a fiver by now yeah yeah okay good well it's a good <laughs> thing we're not it's a good thing we're not going to tell them then isn't it? it really is a good thing people are obsessed aren't they you see i thought i left these days behind when i left the church because you know like whenever you went to those blooming ministers fraternals it was basically yes highly competitive environment yes yeah, yes. almost exclusively men, and basically we were playing. Who's got the biggest uh, <laughs> congregation? I was trying to save you bleeping <laughs> things out. Ministry, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Have you seen the size of my congregation? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it enormous. was very like that. So you think, oh, I've left. Oh, great. No one's going to ask me how big my church is anymore. Mm. Now they want to know how big the podcast is. So stop it. No, it's really hard. I don't. I, you know, ultimately, you're all lovely. So yeah. I wouldn't care if there were five of you. Exactly. Uh, if we ever reach that. So that's good. That. <laughs> right. Great. Can I give some updates? Can I stop you? No. Alexander Shire, absolutely brilliant. Of course, I couldn't help but uh, record a little interview with him, coming as he did, fresh from the Camino. So uh, maybe we'll stick that out as a little bonus um, mm-hmm. interview sometime. Mm-hmm. That'd be yeah, great. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also, Minsmere. Wait for it. Drum roll, please. <laughs> One room left. Only one room left. I mean, admittedly, I only booked three, but this is... Great. <laughs> no, this you is... did. No. That's <laughs> right. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so the details are on the website, evidently. Are they? Why aren't they? No, I didn't put them up. Oh, send me, send me an email to joe at midfaithcrisis.org. I'll tell you how to do it. You send a little PayPal payment and basically that's it. Anyway, the point is lots of people are going. No, the details aren't on the website for the fact that basic point you've never actually given me any details. Oh, I have given you. Look. You haven't. You I haven't. have. I told you we are going to Minsmere. I think I even gave you a date. Yes, but you just don't exactly the details. Anyway, never mind. Shall we move on? Go on. I read a Nick Page book this week. That's the first one ever. Cover to cover. It wow. gripped me from start <laughs> to finish. It is one of your best works. <laughs> Thank you very Certainly much. Certainly just the right amount of words. 
So, and, and, with, and with greater depth than most of my work. It is. So, Oh No, Mr. Snowman is a classic. It's yeah. a, listen, can I ask you a question about this? How, yeah. do you, how do you afford to, like, live? Because that's £2 on Amazon, and that includes postage and a vastly oversized piece of packaging, and let's not even go into that whole conversation. £2. Mm. How can they sell it for £2? Well, because... Um, I, I mean, I'm assuming you got paid £4 to write it. I got uh, I got a fee for writing it, yeah. Yeah, but you don't make royalties, I assume. Well, I don't... I, there's two... Uh, do I want to... I don't think... I, you, we're well, not interested. The, OK, we move on. I'm sorry. No, no, it's just that I don't... Um, some books you earn royalties on and some you don't. Yeah. Some you do for a fixed fee and that's just the deal. And that's but, how it uh, works. I'm, I'm pleased you liked it. I loved it. As it's indeed. fun, isn't it? I'm nothing if not cheap and available. You should release a Christmas single next. No, nah, Because that would guarantee a bit of income. Yeah. 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 Did, didn't we write uh, one once? We did write fact. one once. We we wrote a parody Cliff Richard single <laughs> called did. It's Cliffmas Time. <laughs> we did. <laughs> we should release it. <laughs> oh, dear. Good times. Right. Uh, yeah. Shall we get on? We're doing feedback now, by the way, in case you haven't guessed. Yes, let's do that. Okay, great. This is from Melody. Right, now you're going to like this. Dear Mid-Faith Crisis team. Team, note. We're not a team. We're a hierarchy. (laughs) (laughs) She says, hooray for the death episode. Cheered my soul, ironically. Not the least because my name was mentioned. I am the one who told Bethany about your podcast. You're welcome. She didn't tell me that she was going to be on it and I just about drove into the lake. I was so surprised. I so appreciate her gift at making complex theological concepts emotionally bearable. It's difficult to experience a death whilst in the midst of a mid-faith crisis because those old comforts are no longer a comfort. But as you and Bethany point out, there are new things to think about, new comforts to receive, new channels of grace to discover. Thank you for recognising the specialness of my smarty pants friends. And Joe, it took me about a year before I could say her last name properly, so don't feel bad. <laughs> Very good. That's great. And if you've got any Thank more smarty pants friends, um, feel free yes. to <laughs> pass them our way. We can do with all the all the smarty pants friends we can get. We need all the help we can get. Okay, so Matthew, uh, after saying many uh, kind and obviously banned comments, uh, says um, two. <laughs> I really enjoyed the episode with Bethany Solerada. On Saturday, I went for a walk in Kew Gardens with my camera and my thoughts. It struck me that this time of year, autumn is so symbolic of the natural order of death in our world. The leaves fall and the tree cuts back in order that it may survive. I think it's also a powerful symbolism of what many in the mid-faith crisis are going through. It looks like the leaves fall off, yet that is an essential part of survival through the winter of mid-faith. In the winter it can look bleak and cold and lonely, yet when the spring comes again the faith can bud and flourish and grow again. Not in the same way as the previous year, but fruit again comes round and warmth comes back. I don't know if this might be helpful for some people, but it was what I mused about on my walk through the wonderful autumn colours. And then he suggests a film uh, coming up later. I know we're not into the film bit yet, but he says about time. It's a one. I love this film. It's a wonderful it's a film. Uh, film about a travelling boy as he becomes a man and how his time travel can be both useful and unhelpful. It charts a move away from home, falling in love, uh, starting a family in pain and the grief of life events. And he goes on. So that was, yeah, that's an excellent choice. Thank you. Yeah, he, he quotes that line, doesn't he? I just try to live every day as if I've deliberately come back to this one. 
to enjoy it as if it were the final full day of my extraordinary, ordinary life. Oh, Isn't that good? I love that. I shed a tear every time I hear that. Thank very you. Good. So you got me going. And okay. I liked the theme about cutting back in order to survive. I think that's very, very Absolutely good. brilliant. Um, Phil, thank you. Phil, <laughs> Phil, rather than sending one long email, and I do pr- appreciate the shorter emails, thank you. <laughs> Sent five, but I'm only going to comment on this. Hey, Phil, great to hear from you. Thank you. And he mm. says... Uh, great thoughts on personality and death and all sorts, but the film he recommends is Babette's Feast. It's a film in which very little happens. It could certainly qualify as a slow film, but it is a beautiful piece of filmmaking and a beautiful tale about the power of abundant, bountiful, sacrificial grace as demonstrated in a meal. Yeah, it is a great film. It is a lovely film. Mm. And uh, were, you, were you there at Lee Abbey? When yeah, they did that? and they, so, they stopped the film. And... That's right. Yeah, we were watching it as part of our spiritual formation. Uh, uh, yeah, week uh, on the Renovare course at, at Lee Abbey, and you were one of the leaders mm. on that yeah. course, weren't you? Yeah. Which uh, shows you how rubbish the course was, really. But um, <laughs> and 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 they showed the film, and then they paused it at the moment when she opens this bottle of champagne, and they bought in the same kind of champagne, and they poured us all yeah, a glass did. of champagne. Yeah. This, from the it same was just family. a was wonderful moment. It was. It was brilliant. It was beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so thank you for that, Phil. Uh, Helen says, Dear Joan Nick, I'm having a bad attack of deja vu, lying in bed, post-mastectomy, listening to you. I really appreciated the episode on death. Unfortunately, some of my breast cells have not been apop apoptosing properly. She says, is that a verb? And no I got idea. I got breast cancer in the other oh. breast as well. It does make me think about my own mortality, but I, if I live, I have Jesus, my husband and friends, and if I die, I have Jesus and the rest won't matter. But it has stimulated us to write a will after putting this off for years. My favourite film is Les Miserables, the musical, because I love the music. It makes me cry. The theme of how different people respond to grace is amazing. I've been reading a lot recently about original sin and how the whole concept of original sin comes from Augustine and is not present in orthodoxy or anabaptism. The same with the doctrine of the fall. Maybe you could do a podcast on that sometime. I'm sure a lot of us have issues from being told we're inherently sinful just from being conceived and that sex is the means of transmission of sin. Love the show. Keep it up. Well, Helen, haven't had a good rant about original (laughs) sin for ages. So thank you so much for that. We will do that, (laughs) I think. Well, have another Uh, rant. Yes, good. Well, we'll have another rant, certainly, but we we should do uh, one on that. I, I... I thank you, Helen. I mean, it's just so yeah. moving, and and yes. I suppose it circles me back round to that joking at the beginning about the number of listeners, because actually it doesn't matter, does it? Mm. I look at just what wonderful people you all are. Yes, you're quite humble, really. Yeah, I which know. is unusual for me. It is because you're a real fathead, but yes, I am really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Helen. That, uh, that's f- really uh, yeah, lovely. Thank you, and get get well soon. And thanks to everyone who wrote in. And we haven't responded, but I did. I did respond, even if we don't read it out on air. And we love you. Yes, thank you. Yes, we. Yes. Yes. Move on, Nick. Introduce it. So, welcome everybody to Mid Faith Crisis Film Club. Yes. And the first rule of Mid Faith Crisis Film Club is you don't talk about <laughs> Mid Faith Crisis. <laughs> uh, so that's the end of the podcast, really. Um, actually, actually, do you know, after having announced it and uh, thinking about it, I have no idea what the rules are of this thing. What are the parameters? Oh, um, uh, well, it was difficult. It's horrible. It's a bit like when someone comes up to you and says, What's your favourite song ever? Well, yeah. it depends. But it's not even about favourites, is it? it? That's the point. It's, well, it's sort of about... 
we're trying to tie this in with spiritual formation, aren't we? Or, or, or mm, that's, that's the broad aim of the podcast. I <laughs> felt. <laughs> okay. Man, know. I had no idea. <laughs> is that what we've been getting at? And it, and of course the problem with that is it's easy with Christian books, isn't it? Because you you know you've got lots of books that are purely on yeah. spiritual formation, on these kind of issues. But yeah. films and novels and art doesn't really sort of work yeah. that way. So yeah, you know. So I don't know what what your rules are really. Well, my rules are. <laughs> it's very difficult when you have such an appalling memory as well. Can yeah, I just say? That's true. Because I can't remember. I mean, I know as I started to do this, a panic set in. That mm. I could only remember all the terrible films I've been watching recently. <laughs> <laughs> None of the really good ones. Oh. And also films that were really important at one stage of your life increasingly are not so important yes. Yes. at later stages of your life. And so your favourites and the ones that touch you the most do tend to change quite a bit. And yeah, I've gone for I've gone for films that I think just have themes that right okay t- touch me deeply. So you know, I guess yeah. that that does kind of tie into spiritual formation. At least I hope it does. Right. So what what have you have you whittled those? Well, down? I decided that it was too much to do. What are the best films of all time? I was too mm. overwhelmed. I could think of one or two. So I've decided to go for five films from this year right so that's so like the, these are like the oscars for you then, they are, these are the... in some respect they are the Joe these, these what, what we should give them we should award these we should call them the boobers or something <laughs> we or should. yeah we'll think of something the willards <laughs> <laughs> for, some, for spiritual formation films yes. uh, the willards would be good yeah uh, be so good. should you go for this year now when i heard yeah. that you were doing that um, that made life fairly difficult for me, I have to say, because um, one, I don't go and watch many films in the cinema because I don't live in a place where you know uh, most people are retired, so it costs me a lot of money. Rude. So one, I don't go and watch many films. B, because out of the <laughs> B, because out of the films that I did go and watch this year, you've stolen two of them in your list. <laughs> And thirdly, when I do go and watch films, they nowadays they are mainly people in capes hitting each other. Um, <laughs> yeah, great spirit. And talking of which, actually, R.I.P. Um, Stan Lee. Oh died about yes. A week ago. And um, I I grew up uh, reading comics. You know, mm. from bit, about nine years old onwards, and still do read comics. And I don't yeah. think any storyteller has had more effect on my sort of imagination mm. than, than Stan Lee. Yeah. And I was thinking about it because I was thinking, this is why I generally go and see the films, uh, the superhero films. It's actually, mm. it's not because they're massively great films because, they, they, you know, they have their flaws. They're mm. entertaining. I think it's because they do, they reawaken in me the nine-year-old. Uh, interesting. That what they've really done cleverly with it is that yeah. they've captured what we loved about the comics. So yeah. one of the big things right. that you always loved as a comic fan was crossovers, when a character from one title appeared in another title. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, that was always And the exciting. films yeah, have yeah. captured that yeah. absolutely brilliantly. Anyway, I just wanted to say yeah, that. Yeah, I kind of good. like, he had a major effect on me. Yes. Lee and Kirby, you know. Um, so anyway, I was really stuck with this because I thought, well, what mm. do I do? For, for a while, I thought yeah. about actually ignoring films completely and just talking about plays <laughs> and yeah, on the I grounds. Thought, I felt that, that, uh, that really 
did cheat on a film yeah. episode. Yeah, I did discuss it with you, and then I thought, <laughs> well, I, I thought I, I wanted to do it because we never. Let's face it, we're never going to do a play episode, are we? No. You know, let's be honest, because you don't go. But then I thought no, I went got... to a play this week. Did you? I did. I went to see a play about the bank robbery. It was very funny. It's from the same people who did the play that goes wrong. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I bet that's marvelous. good. Yeah, that's good. So in the end, I've, I've gone completely the other end. I've decided mm. to only go for films uh, in black and white and classics. Okay. So I've gone completely the other way. And then I thought what we could do maybe at the end, if we get through this quickly, is actually just rapid fire yeah, loads, okay, of, loads good. of great films. Well, How does that on. sound? Yeah, that sounds great, but we should get on with this. Otherwise, it'd be onerously long. Well, it probably would be long, but who cares? So, Joe, you go first. Okay, so uh, first film. Uh, Now, technically, I know we said films this year, and this film came out at the end of last year, but I saw it at the cinema this year again Mm. for the second time. So I'm going to go for Paddington 2. And this is just a great film. And you could really pick any film that has kindness in it. Mm. So here's the thing. This is a kid's film, you know, with a bear and funny characters. It shouldn't make you cry, but it does make me cry because the values of the film and the kindness that comes through the character, both the Paddington character and and how that kindness impacts the people around him is just very, very moving. And I've come to the conclusion that it resonates with Christ in us because, you know, God is kind. Mm. The divine is kind and Mm. the divine is within you. And when you see kindness and when you really observe kindness, it awakens the Christ-likeness within you. Yeah, and we showed it at our uh, Mid-Faith Crisis Week in uh, Devon, didn't we? Yeah. The Abbey, so that was great, yeah. Yeah, well, that was one of my choices that you nicked, so thanks for that. That's great. That's very kind of you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, What's your film? My first film is It's a Wonderful Life. Oh. Uh, uh, James uh, James Stewart, featuring James Stewart and uh, others. And um, Frank Capra film, the story of a man who thinks that his whole life has just come to nothing. Yeah. And he's been thwarted all his life, and he wishes he was he was dead, and he's, he's granted the chance to see what life would be if he had not lived. Mm. And it's all about the differences you make in in life, um, and, oh. and and it's just a wonderful, wonderful it film. It's a, it's it a is. it's a classic. Film. It's a very interesting film because it's quite dark. Really. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It it, it, it starts with him. You know, the opening scene is of him on the bridge. Yeah, uh, yeah. And 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 it starts with, and it's all about a man who's who's in despair. Our lives matter in ways that we cannot imagine, and I think it's very easy to get in, into that sense in our life that we do is pointless. There's no, there's, we, we don't may, mean anything to anybody. Yeah. Um, but this film, I think, e- emphasizes that the difference yeah. that one person makes. It's a, it's a great, great film. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but I, but may, may I just say, absolute classic, and I would definitely do that one if it was doing all time films. Uh, second film has to be Three Billboards Outside Ebbing. Missouri, um, directed by Martin Madonna, McDonough and uh, starring uh, Frances um, McDormand. And I think she got the Oscar for it, didn't she? There's a lot uh, of mooks in it. Yeah, and Woody Harrelson. Okay, Woody Mook Harrelson. Woody Mook Harrelson. And okay. Sam R- Mook Rockwell as well. Very good. <laughs> this was a, a fantastic film. In terms of, re- I mean, the acting is just extraordinary and brilliant, as you would expect, and it's won all the plaudits. 
for that. But of course, the themes that it really explores is who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. It reminds me of that a bit like that film Crash, you know, especially when it comes to racing. You know, you've got this obnoxious, mm. young, racist character who you instantly dislike, and therefore you want to continue disliking. Mm. And yet, as the film goes on, you realise that it's this person is far more than the simplistic racist label you've given him at the start of the film. And he's a complex character who's had a really rough upbringing, a really rough, and is capable of great kindness. And the Woody Harrelson figure actually sees that good in him and refuses to dismiss him and discard him, but to give him opportunities and chance to redeem himself. And there's something so powerful about that, because I think it speaks into this fact that, you know, none of us are really who we claim to be or who we seem to be. On the outside, we are this complex mix of good mm. motives and bad motives and light and dark and everything. And a film like this just really exposes that and brings it to the fore. And I found it very powerful and and actually genuinely a helpful film to meditate upon. Not least to say, and what is it in me that, you know, is it that I push down and discard or am ashamed of? And or don't like or can't find a way to redeem. I mean, just great, great film. If you haven't watched it, I mean, I should say it is a bit violent in places, and the you know swearing is full. Yes, on. well, I mean, uh, take that. Yeah, a lot, a lot of these films. So my second film is Frankenstein, the right. 1934 yeah. version. Uh, have you seen it, uh, Boris Karloff? Uh, Boris Karloff, yes, I have, but not for many, many years. Now yeah. it's a, it's an amazingly great film for a number of reasons. Um, I mean, it looks astonishing. It comes out of German expressionism, so it has these amazing sets and, and the mm. shadows and the strange buildings and uh, strange landscapes. But it's really a, a subversive film because the monster is, of course, not the monster in this. Mm. The monster is not the most monstrous. Uh, character in this <laughs> film by any, and yeah. I will pick up on this with your next yes, one. But you exactly. know, <laughs> the 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 monster is misunderstood. The monster reacts in a certain way because he 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 gets frustrated with the way he doesn't understand. He doesn't know how it works. Uh, there's a yeah. wonderful scene where he visits a, uh, a a shack of a blind man who, of course, doesn't judge him because he can't see yeah. what he looks like. Yeah. Uh, and of course, it does it all very simply because that, it, it's the early days in that sense of films. But you know, it's it's the most wonderful film, and uh, it just maybe picks up a little bit on what you were just saying, and what, I'm sure what you're going to say for the next film is, yeah. it, you know, that who are the monsters really, and do we actually really look at them? You know, how much do we judge by what people yeah. are, look on the outside? And there's loads more in there. It's all about mob mentality. Yeah. It's all about the the abuse of science and the man's hubris. It's There's loads yeah. in there. And then, of course, the other film that you should always watch alongside it is uh, Young Frankenstein by Mel Brooks. Uh, because <laughs> that's just funny. it's truly spiritual formative. formative and <laughs> frankly, not. I would put that in any of my list. <laughs> As is Blazing Saddles, yeah. Of greatest okay, right. films ever. You go on, go on. Well, I mean, everything you've said applies to The Shape of Water. Um, uh, how do you say it's, it's Gilmero? Guillermo Del, del Toro. Thank you. Yeah, I got the Del Toro. It's a I great film. I've I've seen this film. And and I was going to choose it, but thanks. You you just had yeah it yeah yeah. Well, starring Sally Hawkins, who's this lovely um, lady who, you know, just doesn't see the world the way other people see it. And so this uh, monster, and, and and the theme is who's the monster, of course, as you said, for Frankenstein. And she, 
she chooses to look upon the monster with kindness and compassion and chooses to get to know the monster whereas she is being told and it's a great commentary on sort of institutional evil if you want to think of it that way that you know this is a monster and they're a threat and they're a danger you know damn Mm. migrants come over here uh so you know it's a real commentary on how i suppose society may view who the beast is Mm. and how you know you may choose to look at the beast and also yeah just the just the inherent evils of a system that excludes and uh, defends and all those sort of things so again usual warnings it's got some quite violent bits and some nudity and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah. hasn't it and lots of other good bits (laughs) yeah and lots of other equally formative (laughs) moments um I think one, yeah, one of the things in the film is that the, the the way that they can only people can only understand something by destroying it. You know, that's the only way they want it. They are not interested in the creature; they just want to dissect it. Yeah. You know, take it to pieces. And uh, anyway, uh, my third film, therefore, is Rashomon. Now, I'm sure I don't have to tell you anything about this, uh, Joe. What? <laughs> it's Rashomon. Oh. Oh, it's um, so Rashomon, Akira Kurosawa. Are you speaking in tongues again? <laughs> yes, I am. Japanese, actually. Okay, yeah. Released in 1950s, 54, I think. Um, and it's the story of a murder. A samurai is murdered and his wife is uh, raped. And it, they try to work out what happens. And, it, and it, in the story, you get five different viewpoints, all of which seem to contradict one another. And have different uh, self-serving emphases, right. and it's it's all about how we see the truth differently. Oh, how w- we see what happens completely differently, and how we look on it. And sometimes we, it's it's formed by motives that are not honourable at all, uh, and sometimes it's just because we, we're just interpreting things differently. Mm. And it's also about hope. At the end, it's about it's about that that, that actually there is you know it'd be, be easy to give into despair in the light of all that yeah but it, there is hope and many people when it was released saw it as a a story about um the nuclear bomb and why that happened mm. you know in, in terms of everybody's argument being completely different about what happened and why um i just think it's a it's a film that gets you thinking about why people say the things they do and why they make accounts in certain ways um it is in Japanese and it is subtitled Man. and it is black and white. Anyway, Rashomon. Okay. Number four, A Star is Born. Uh, so this is Bradley Cooper who directed it and Lady Gaga. It was out recently. I mean, apart apart from the obvious plaudits which, he's get, which it's had and deserves, um, Lady Gaga is absolutely fantastic in it. I mean, really believable. Their love affair, I think, is exceptionally uh, believable. Um and you know the the music is i think really really good apart from all that it's this heartbreaking story of relationships and sacrifice and there's just you know i don't want to spoil it for those that don't know the story but i think um i think i found it quite quite personal in terms of someone who's had life go all their way and in a sense, with the end of life in sight, past his best, you might say, actually seeing the potential within someone else and choosing to invest in their future 
mm. uh, even to the detriment of their own. I think I, you know, I found that quite powerful. Mm. And that's really why you're involved in the podcast, isn't it? (laughs) There you are, past your best, but investing in a much younger man. (laughs) Exactly. You like to think. (laughs) You are Lady Gaga to my Bradley Cooper. Thank you. I love you. Uh, I I really want to thank you. Uh, Should we burst into the song? Um, My number four is Casablanca. Humphrey Bogart. And Ingrid Bergman, and uh, a, a film that's with a plot that makes no rational sense, really. And and a film that doesn't have in it anywhere play it again, Sam. No, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't have that. But it has lots of other great lines. Yes, um, indeed. It's a film about um, heroism and about bravery, and how bravery is sometimes giving things up, and bravery is uh, not going where you really want to go. Um, I, I, I don't know really why I put it in in some respects because, you know, I suppose it's because I've rewatched it recently, but I, I just think it's, it's a film about doing the right thing and about how that can cost you. And, um, you know, and but it's important and it's important. There are bigger causes in, in life, really. Um, but Good. hey, what's what's not to love? It's Humphrey Bogart and all these great, um, Peter Lorre and all these great 40s and 50s stars being yeah. cool. In Casablanca, yeah. it's great. Okay, so number five, unashamedly, uh, Mamma Mia two. Mm. Oh, in fact, I, I could say anything with Lily James in it, whether it's Cinderella or the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society or whatever it is. I, she is a delight to watch. I, in fact, I kind of would like to see her play a really dark role sometime. <laughs> yeah, she wants to play a psychopath because you can't imagine her being anything other than sweetness and joy and love. But the reason this is here, and the reason I think this does really connect to spiritual formation is the film the impact it had on me when i saw it was one of just joy just absolute joy i mean a it is a much better film than mamma mia one definitely um much better it is better written Uh, richard curtis was involved in this one and you can tell the storytelling is better But the characters are great. And if you don't know, you know, they, they play younger versions of themselves. So you've got the kind of old old school crew there and you've got the younger versions there. And there's sort of this simultaneous 70s and modern day story playing out. But but I remember that at the time, the news, whichever side of the Atlantic you live on, is not always exactly full of joy at the moment. And I think life can be pretty heavy for most of us uh, a lot of the time. And joy is often something that gets sapped. And I think often we don't think of joy as a a really important spiritual discipline and a Mm. vital balance in our lives. I mean, if you go too long without joy, it is it is all rather depressing, surprisingly Mm. enough. So the experience of going to see this film with, you know, someone I love is Uh, or in fact people I love now I come to think of it is you're just taken on this joyful joyful moment great music happy storyline real yeah sort of euphoric moment and I know the accusation could be well that's just escapism and that's a typical seven avoiding pain but I think there is more to it than that there is definitely a time to weep and to wail and there is a time to rejoice and when you can't find much to rejoice about go go see Mamma Mia too 
I think that's interesting because I think a lot of the time on the when we do the beginning of the podcast, you you've been to see a film because you go basically once a week, don't you? To, <laughs> yeah, if not twice to see films. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time you talk about films that are are quite painful. You haven't avoided right. them, so I don't no. think you need to to sort of yeah, justify yeah, yeah, that. I am exactly the opposite. I generally would not go and pay money at the cinema to see something that's just going to annoy me and depress me and you know that's because i go so i don't go yeah. very frequently it costs such yeah. a lot where i live yeah. i want something that is actually going to lift me yeah, up sure sure great so, yeah. and i remember an interview with richard curtis where he was saying exactly the same thing that he'd stopped yeah. going and seeing sort of gritty films because he just didn't want yeah. it anymore but well, it, but well, i thought it was great what you yeah. said about joy no, that's absolutely true absolutely and i have to say and you know i could easily have picked this one as well bohemian rhapsody had the same effect Okay. That joy joy wonderful. is, uh, as Joe says, a vital spiritual discipline. Yeah, it is. And, and if I'd thought about that, then I could actually have reworked my entire list and got in Carry On Cleo. One of the, <laughs> one of the greatest films ever. I, could have, I should have done a list just full of joyously Carry stupid, on up the Kyber, surely. Uh, that's good. I think it was slightly <laughs> over the top by then. Uh, but Cleo and Cowboy, for me, are the great <laughs> moments. Really yeah. Really? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Great. Come on. What's so my final one is uh, Modern Times by Charlie Chaplin. Uh, wow. Yeah. A, a absolute classic of uh, oh. the cinema. A beautifully uh, choreographed film. Very funny, but also very uh, powerful. Um, really a story of alienation, of how a man gets caught up in a machine, literally in the machine mm. that... Um, uh, of uh, you know um, um, the mechanized industrialized society, and it reduces him. And it's about how he he finds his way, how he finds love, uh, how he leaves it leaves. It's uncertain at the end, but but they uh, he has found mm. true love within it. He's found his identity within it. Films about finding identity are very powerful. Yeah, and yeah. I mean I think it, it it's yeah. it's a great film. It, it ticks the joy boxes as well because mm. it has these great sort of set pieces in. I mean, obviously, it's a silent kind of comedy. It's almost silent. It has some um, mm. sound in, but um, you know, it, it's a silent comedy, and and these can be very sort of divisive. But I think when I want joy, actually, some of the time, what I do is go and watch Keaton or Chaplin or Laurel and Hardy and those kinds of things. And I, I suppose I get a lot of joy out of it just seeing how well it's done as well. Yeah. There's a certain, I think, element yeah. of appreciating craftsmanship. Someone performing at the top of their game yeah. is, is good to watch. I agree. I, I agree. Yeah. And just the sheer creativity of it, the sheer yeah. inventiveness of it. Yeah. Um, it is, of course, the, the film that got him um, really banned from the States for years, in a way, uh, because he was he was it, it was very sort of pro the worker, mm. and uh, he was accused of being communist in the in yeah, the McCarthy yeah, yeah. era. Uh, but it's a, it's just a great great film about uh, the struggle of us all to find. Uh, to to assert our identity in the in the face of the uh, mach- the machine world, really mm. uh, recommend it. Great. So th- those are our five. Those are our five. But can I can I just say I know we've got to wrap this up. No, let's one, keep going. Okay, well, one film that really should be on there, the greatest film about spiritual formation this year, beyond any shadow of a doubt, or at least the story was, but it just wasn't a good enough film. Was I feel pretty? And okay. I remember talking about this on the podcast. This fantastic concept. This girl who's a little bit overweight and down on her mm. luck and not lucky in love and hasn't got a great job, falls over, bangs her head, and suddenly she wakes up and believes she's the most beautiful person in the world. And the film follows 
what happens when you believe that about yourself? Mm. And she gets the guy of her dreams and she gets the job of her dreams and, and then she bangs her head and now will she go back to, you know, blah, 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 blah. Sounds very corny, but what a great idea. And in terms of spiritual formation, you know, we, well, I spent my life trying to tell people God loves them. Mm. You fundamentally do not believe it. Mm. And you can see the difference it would make to their lives if they actually believed it. Instead, they choose to live their lives as functional atheists, claiming to believe loads of stuff, which, of course, at no core level do they believe. But mm. I'm sorry, it just, sorry, Amy Schumer, just wasn't a good enough film. But a brilliant yeah. idea for a film. Okay. Anything on, else you, you would have? What else would you put on the list if you hadn't? You know, if I hadn't limited myself, I would definitely put American Beauty on there. I mean, it's not oh. very in vogue to like Kevin Spacey films, but I mean, this is the film I would make every forty-year-old man sit down yeah. and watch yeah. on their fortieth birthday, right. just to try and stop them doing something stupid with their lives. It's a film about life and death. It's a film about sexuality and lust and yeah. midlife crisis. Yeah. And I just think, well, my goodness. Um, and it's really well done. It is a superb film. And if you can get over the fact it's Kevin Spacey, who's hugely discredited now, I'd, I'd say to anyone listening, but particularly men who are approaching their... It's no point watching it when you're 25. You're still too ego-driven yeah, yeah. and you haven't done enough of life, I think, unless you've had a hard life. But time time you get to 40, then you're definitely in the zone to watch American Beauty and watch it before it's too late. <laughs> yeah, I'd put uh, the Lego Movie. I didn't have one oh, for that. The Lego Movie is the greatest. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, people. I've written quite a lot on Revelation on the idea of apocalypse and apocalypse. And apocalypse yeah. means, um, you know, it doesn't mean what we think it means. We often think a post-apocalyptic film is like Terminator. You know, it's set where yeah. everything's been destroyed. That's yeah. not apocalypse. Apocalypse okay. is showing us what's really going on. That's what the, the word means. Oh. It means uh, revelation, revealing the truth. Sometimes so, you can be quite clever. Uh, so actually, a good post-apocalyptic film is uh, the Lego movie where he finds out that there's a whole world out there that he didn't know about and that everything <laughs> is not awesome, <laughs> you know. And it's all about how the yeah. bland ways that we kept it's in check. And film. it's so screamingly funny I like that. as well. I did like it. I mean, I, it, were you, when I was thinking about this, so many children's films, actually. I know. Inside Out. Oh, oh, what a great film. Greatest films. Terrific. Terrific film. Yes. If anyone listening to this podcast hasn't seen Inside Out, get it for Christmas. Yes. Ask for it for Christmas. Yes. And it's then have a talk a... about it with your family, which is it... what you recommend. You said, Absolutely. watch it. Because we went with the family, the girls would watch it some years Absolutely. back. Absolutely. And when we went out for a meal afterwards, and it just... Find out what the memory balls are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to say, but it's, it's, it's very, very deep film. It is. It is um, the most profound. I'd go also with any... I couldn't fit in any of the films of Powell and Pressburger, who are my, some of my favourite filmmakers. I don't know if you know them. A Matter of Life and Death, I Know Where I'm Going, uh, yeah. Life, Death of Colonel Blimp. Uh, it, they're just wonderful films. And Are you sure they're not obscure and arty? Because you're like that. No, I mean, most of my list was yeah. slightly arty, I suppose, but not very obscure. Apart from a, a Japanese-speaking film. No, but it's, no but it's one of the most famous films ever made, Rashomon. Yes, very famous. I'm sure everyone would <laughs> quickly go to that when you ask them what's the most famous film you know, ever like, made. Th this is exactly it. Working with you is like working with Emmett out of the Lego movie. It is exactly that. <laughs> Everything is awesome, Nick. Yeah, and where's my where's my trousers? <laughs> or whatever that thing is. <laughs> Are you going to say a Muppet Christmas Carol or not? 
Well, I just put a list of films I couldn't fit in the Muppet <laughs> Christmas Carol. It's just, it's isn't that one, wonderful? And the Christmas <laughs> Carol is, I think, one of the greatest spiritual formation oh, books, actually. Absolutely. And uh, and the Muppet Christmas Carol is the greatest version uh, of it. Christmas Carol is an extraordinary story. Do you know there's yeah. a great meditation? Maybe we should do this on the next Mid-Faith Crisis Day. Incredible meditation around going into the future. and yeah. Oh, it's just fantastic. You oh, we do, do that. that. We do that. We do that at the bird watching week. One place left. Did I mention that? Yes, you did. Okay. Um, yes. So, any more that you couldn't fit in? Who did under siege? Stephen Seagal. Stephen Seagal. We should have had a Stephen Seagal in there. There is something important about those late night moments when you just oh. want your brain to switch off, and there is nothing better at that point than watching Stephen Seagal hit people. Isn't that that's wrong? Isn't it? Does it say something about my style of church leadership that when I used to come home from elders meetings, all I wanted to do was watch Die Hard? <laughs> I needed to see terrorists being killed in horrible ways. Why One of the things that stories do is that they <laughs> allow characters to experience things on our behalf. So, oh. in other words, uh, what you're doing there is projecting into that story. Is that right? So that, so that you don't, yeah. <laughs> That's what a story does. A story sort of gives us that vicarious thing so that we don't have to go and machete the elders. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I see. It's quite important in that sense. Anyway, it's better than drinking. We should finish up. Thank you for bearing with us. And hey, send your films in to joe at midfaithcrisis.org. Not the actual films, but your suggestions of films that touch you and why. So thank you for listening to a slightly rambling episode that has been uh, long... um, And tedious. Long awaited. Oh, yes. (laughs) Long awaited. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Yes, we'll be back to normal soon. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs>